1: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast. Part of my mission in ensuring your pregnancy, birth and motherhood journeys are supported positive and empowering are you ready let's get chatting hello i'm pip and welcome to the midwife pip podcast the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy birth and beyond remember as a podcast listener you can get 15 percent off all my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast 15. One of the beauties of breastfeeding is the lack of preparation and organisation needed. Your boobs are attached to you all of the time and you have the perfect amount of ideal temperature milk on tap. Yet for many women, the idea of breastfeeding in public causes so much anxiety and worry. This week, I'm joined by the wonderful Danielle better known as the breastfeeding mentor on social media. Danielle is a breastfeeding educator and author on a mission to help you feel supported on your breastfeeding journey and to bust the many breastfeeding myths that exist. So welcome, Danielle, and thank you so much for coming to join me. Hi, Pip. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited because as we were saying before we kind of came on live is that we connected literally like days ago on Instagram and then as mums being the working mums that we are and navigating our own breastfeeding lives we've like two days later pulled out the bag and here we are chatting which I (laughs) love this is one of the best things about social media. It is it really is. (laughs) So yeah thank you so much for carving out time because I was thinking Dalia like there was a another breastfeeding topic that I really wanted to get into this season. Mm. And the questions I get all the time about breastfeeding in public and how to navigate it and what are the rules and how to feel more confident. And actually I was at a baby group um, last week and there was a mum there who was, was a breastfeeding mum but always pumps to take a bottle oh. when she's out and about. And I yeah. was like, oh, because she's worried about breastfeeding and what other people think, not about you know her oh, own gosh. ability. And I thought I mean you're you're I mean this is a podcast, but everything I can see in your face now completely describes how I felt because pumping oh. is really hard work, isn't it that preparation, mm-hmm. that cleaning, sterilizing the bottles. the beauty to me of breastfeeding is the fact that you can just leave the house so actually to mm-hmm. remove that then I think makes a massive barrier to feeding mm, because I can see it all over your face.
0: My goodness <laughs> well how, how completely heartbreaking it is that in 2022 any mother should feel the need to make extra work for herself to potentially buy you know quite an expensive additional gadget just to make other people feel more comfortable when she's doing the most natural thing in the history of humanity wow that is heartbreaking really really sad but it reminds me of a viral post that I saw this morning which honestly when when you see it and hear about it I'm certain that your blood will boil too and it was of a pastor in America um shaming a woman for breastfeeding her baby on the front row of uh, of the the audience um in, in church and describing how she said that, oh, you know, I was covered up, so it shouldn't be an issue. Um, But he said, well, even when you're covered up, it looks like you're giving birth to an alien. (laughs) Bizarre, really childish, strange (laughs) comment. And I just thought, my goodness, imagine if you were that woman. Imagine how embarrassed you would feel being told that, yeah, this beautiful natural practice was somehow shameful and and something to be embarrassed about. I was absolutely mortified. So I'm not surprised that some people, you know, some parents do feel the need to, to express, to feed their babies in public, but yowzers, we really need to be asking ourselves questions as a society, if that's what we are making some mothers do, make extra work for themselves. At a time when they are probably completely exhausted, when actually they need all the rest and sleep that they can get. And they don't need to be spending additional time preparing bottles when they don't actually need to. Mm. My goodness. Like,
1: And I think it's different, isn't it? If, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But if you're yeah, doing it course. because of other people, that's, yeah. I think, where it becomes an issue and, and and really sad. And like you say, you know, it's a mass it's a massive amount of extra work and preparation and and faff if it's not what you want to do. Mm. And that could definitely stop you then going out the house and going to these things if you feel mm. like you've got to put that in place first, it becomes a bit of a challenge and barrier to life, really.
0: And I I, I would wonder how many people and, and how many listeners are aware that in the UK, certainly mm. in the UK, in Canada, Ireland, Australia um, and Taiwan uh, breastfeeding in public with or without a cover is protected by law. And so, you know, anyone who, who did have the audacity to make a comment or to ask you to move would be breaking the law, actually, and certainly in the UK that, you know, they could be prosecuted for that. Women are protected, breastfeeding mothers and parents protected because it matters so much and because, well, some governments at least acknowledge that for some people, breast milk is the best option. And if it is, we should be doing everything we can to facilitate that journey.
1: Mm-hmm. and I think that's a really really powerful point actually so for anyone listening who is thinking oh my gosh how do I navigate this what am I what mm. am I allowed to do right where am I allowed to breastfeed because Indeed. that's something I hear all the time and as you've beautifully just said Danielle it is by law that you can breastfeed in any public place mm. and am I right in thinking as well any age child so it's not like just an under yeah, one year old or an under two year old it's any age anywhere you want to
0: and there's there's no parade limit and breastfeeding is exempt from public indecency laws as well in those particular countries. In the US, it is in but only in 31 states, not all 50. Um, so there's some protection there, but it's not quite the same. Mm. But certainly in the UK, anywhere, anytime, however old your child is, you know, the law is on your side. The law protects you as a nursing mother. And I think it's yeah, I think it's really empowering to know that actually. And there was a, a another lady recently in the news that perhaps you heard about it, who was asked to stop nursing her newborn. I think, I think the baby was around four weeks old, on the on the car park of the Sainsbury supermarket by an employee. Can you imagine that? Oh she gosh. was in her car just trying to get her baby to settle down, and an employee had the nerve to knock on her window and ask her to move and leave or stop what she was doing.
1: Wow. And we've all horrendous. been there with a the newborn, haven't we? Like mm-hmm. trying to fundle around in the car with the restriction of your seat, trying to get them to feed and stop crying. And it's so stressful to have mm-hmm. someone speak to you like that is mm-hmm. There's just no words, is there? There's just no words. And I just, and I
0: just feel like it speaks so much to the way that women are viewed still in society and how the fact that anyone thinks they have the right to tell any other individual what they can or cannot do with their body mm. my goodness why do you think that's okay because i certainly don't and yeah i think I, I i hope it's um it's something that will die out with you know newer generations and as we you know become more accepting and tolerant of one another um mm. But just the fact that anyone thinks that it's okay to to dictate what any woman does with her breasts, my goodness.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's okay.
0: um yeah, that's striking.
1: Not okay. And I think the more the more it's seen, the more breastfeeding public is seen, the, exactly. the more normal it becomes, doesn't it? We just exactly. need to I think we have come a long way, but there's definitely I mean there's got to still be work to be done because the kind of comments that you and I get and see and receive shows Mm. that there is still work to be done there are still women that are nervous about this Mm. and therefore perhaps it is a barrier to to breastfeeding or perhaps they stop sooner than they wanted to because they think well I can't leave the house if I'm breastfeeding well actually it makes it easier I think often to Mm. leave the house when you are breastfeeding Mm. um so I think
0: undoubtedly I have a friend actually who um whose mum Said, told her while she was expecting that she really shouldn't breastfeed because her um, her own sister did. Um, This was back in the eighties and was so limited and couldn't leave the house easily because she had to uh, at at times sit there for hours feeding her baby before she could leave. I just thought, my goodness, what a thing to say to an expectant mum who you know may be desperate to breastfeed, but. Because of, yeah, some people's expectations, thinks that she can't and that she couldn't. Really oh, sad. So In reality, bad. it's rarely noticed. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of the time, you know, you can just do it discreetly if you want to. And, and no one bats an eyelid. But when, yeah, we hear pro- high profile cases like, yeah, the examples we've talked about, and horror stories in mums groups and so on. Those are the stories that stick with you. And as an expectant mom, they would yeah, they would certainly leave me worrying about whether I could or couldn't breastfeed whenever and wherever I needed to
1: definitely and I love what you say about the discreetness. So, so many times when I've been breastfeeding I say little Finley he's not little anymore he's huge um but when <laughs> I've been breastfeeding him no. out and about everywhere and people will come over and say oh go, go to look at the baby and then I'm like oh he's actually feeding because they didn't even know they just assumed they're being cuddled oh. because actually once they're on the breast there's absolutely nothing to see anyway is there Indeed. I don't you know So we need to stop worrying about other people, I think. Danielle, can I take you back to the beginning? And what has led you, because you are clearly hugely passionate about breastfeeding and supporting women, what led you to that passion? I would love to hear your story. Um, I think think it's
0: about the way that I became a mother. And um, the first time I was pregnant, it was 2014. I was living halfway around the world in Abu Dhabi. I was married at the time and uh, we just announced to all of our friends and family that I was pregnant. Um, we just passed the 12 week mark. And then the following day I miscarried the baby. Oh, and that. yeah, it was gosh, it, yeah. I mean, anyone who knows anything about baby loss and I mean, you can imagine if if you haven't experienced it, that it's just the most gut wrenching and heartbreaking time and Shortly after that, I found that I was separated and divorced and kind of questioning everything about my life, my career. Um, I was teaching at the time and yeah, it, it threw me into a bit of a, a downward spiral really. And I I used that time to go and train as a yoga teacher and meditation teacher in India, which was incredible. Um, I thought about leaving teaching briefly and I was fortunate to be able to do a master's degree in psychology, which, again, I loved. It was so nice to, to learn more about myself and, you know, the, the, the depression that I'd fallen into, the grief I'd experienced. And so many of the children I've worked with, I just felt like I had a better understanding of mm-hmm. um, completing the course. And I loved studying again. Um, and so when I did come back to teaching in the end um, and returned to the UK in 20. 17 and that's when I moved in with my now fiance and oh,
1: congratulations
0: thank you <laughs> um the following year we were engaged and then pregnant and pregnancy was it was pretty smooth for me um I had lots of sickness during the first trimester but you know it wasn't it wasn't um unmanageable uh, I generally enjoyed being pregnant and um Yeah, actually, when I went into labour, I was excited more than anything. Which sounds maybe a bit silly, but I think I just wanted to be a mom for so long and felt yeah, I just I couldn't wait to meet my son. Um, my labour was not uh, yeah quite as I imagined, and it actually was it was seventy eight hours in the end.
1: Wow, Um, proper endurance event.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it was yeah. It was a lot. It was intense, um, and it definitely and ended in me having an emergency section when I had envisaged myself arming my baby out in the room filled with the and therapy and a, uh, in a water bath. and that didn't happen. And and so for me, breastfeeding then became even more important because I felt like I I, I felt like I had something to prove, which I know I know I didn't, but at the time i just i felt like i desperately wanted to feel some sense of control over my motherhood to have some kind of ownership over it because i felt that i yeah i felt like i'd lost a part of that when i lost a baby all those years ago and then when my labor just it just felt like it felt like a disaster i mean i my my son arrived safe and sound and you know people say that that's all that matters but actually it was very traumatic and mm. And so for me, breastfeeding became it, it felt like the one role as a mother that I, I could do and that, that I wanted to do and was thankfully able to do. And so very quickly, it became very empowering for me and seeing my boy grow. We had a bit of a scare when he was three days old and he was weighed a little bit earlier than he should have been. And the doctor said that he would lost eight percent of his body weight And as a new mom and you know, hearing that, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not feeding him enough, there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with my milk, and yeah, went into a bit of a panic, and um, actually, he was absolutely fine, he'd just been weighed a little bit too soon, and so I think over the few next few months, as I saw him gaining weight, and we bonded, and it was just such a lovely journey, it yeah, became more and more important to me, and I found that as I was thinking about returning to work and I was struggling with sleep deprivation, I didn't know where to turn for um, reliable evidence-based advice that would help me navigate this new life as a nursing mom. Mm. And I very much felt even, I mean, my own GP told me when I, I went to see her that if I was struggling with sleep deprivation, I should just go away for the weekend, leave my son and When I came back, he hopefully he'd be so angry with me at eight months old that he wouldn't want to nurse again. I was was just I was floored by that. I
1: know horrendous advice. I
0: thought,
1: what (laughs) really? And how traumatic Um, and damaging for everyone involved? Do you know what I mean? Like for everyone, that's an awful situation. Exactly,
0: and yeah, that that was what she had done, and so that's what she was recommending that I do obviously I didn't do that. I was horrified by. I wonder where the evidence
1: space is for that advice. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, none whatsoever. And that, that, that experience with medical professionals, heartbreakingly, and I'm sure you experience it too at work, hearing from so many different GPs, health visitors, midwives, hearing different things and different advice. And again, I hear this from mothers all over the world, actually some medical professionals are giving really terrible advice for yeah prolonging or maintaining or even stopping your breastfeeding journey and so i started to do my own research and yeah i was able to use the skills i'd learned um studying just before i had my son i put those skills to use to find reliable data that i could that i could trust because I learned very quickly that there was a lot of hearsay and there were lots of old wives tales. And that unfortunately, even for medical professionals, much of the advice that I was given was anecdotal yeah. and wasn't founded in anything. So yeah, that that's what drove me to, to start doing my own research and, and sharing the things that I learned. And then Very quickly, I learned that lots of lots of other mothers and parents around the world felt exactly the same and had similar questions and concerns and fears that I did, and wanted to connect and and discuss the sources of evidence that I'd found. So yeah, that was that was two years ago now, (laughs) Um, Uh. and yes, just recently, and the breastfeeding mentor now has over seventy thousand followers on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok and that to me is just so incredibly uplifting and reassuring for anyone who feels alone we're not not at all there are at least tens of thousands of us around the world so we're never alone um even if you know we might be living in a society that doesn't particularly support breastfeeding
1: yeah I love that and and you should be so, so proud Janelle, genuinely of the work that you've done you. to support women because it can feel like an exceptionally lonely time, a really lonely time. So actually, like you say, to know that, my goodness, there are tens of thousands if not millions of women going yeah. through that exact same feeling but we need to talk about it and express it otherwise we're going to continue to feel alone in our kind of concerns about mm-hmm. breastfeeding and um, and really interesting that that advice that you share and the importance actually of us looking at evidence based information and, mm-hmm. and not just sort of doing what our best friend did because we're all so unique and it's great if that worked for them but but that might not work for you you know and one one way doesn't always fit 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 everyone um Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting because like you say, we we are totally aware of the benefits of breastfeeding and loads and loads of women go into pregnancy knowing that they want to breastfeed which is fantastic for those that don't that's obviously also absolutely fine when they've made that nice informed choice as to what's right for them but I just don't think we are set up as society, as a national health service to support mm-hmm. women. We, we invest absolutely. all this money in telling women how great it is and how we should do it and all these benefits for the mum and baby. But actually there's no support to physically and practically get women off to a good start breastfeeding. Yes. And I really feel for my community colleagues, this is not me bashing community midwifery at all. They are absolutely mm-hmm. doing their best. Mm-hmm. But we're in a service that is stretched to like mm-hmm. the finest, finest threads. Um. I'm lucky in an aspect I work on labor ward, So we have some like acute time in those early hours to try and get that first feed off to a good start. But then often, you know, women are left. I was at home yes. sort of four or five hours after Finley was born thinking, oh my goodness, what do I do? Like oh, it's so different God when it's me. you and your own baby and yeah. that postnatal support just isn't there, is it? It just no, isn't good enough. <laughs> just a quick pause to remind you that you are your birth boss often women are concerned about feeling out of control during labor but it's your body and your baby meaning the final say and control is always firmly in your hands for more expert information ahead of your birth sign up to aptoclub.co.uk not at all it's
0: it's really sad and I think if we look at the way that other countries and cultures treat new mothers there's so much that we could learn and it's just so sad that women are bashed over the head with this trope of breast is best you know everyone talks about it and the fact that I think it is 83 percent of mothers start breastfeeding I forget off the top of my head um but that 80% of mothers also stop breastfeeding before yeah. they want to that that's heartbreaking and and just shows us that yeah, like you said there is a serious lack of support and i think that's because of the absence of generational and cultural wisdom surrounding the whole postpartum period and the fact that you know we're not surrounded by or well, i'm i certainly wasn't surrounded by other mothers who had some or any breastfeeding experience at all um you know that then you may not have friends siblings aunts uncles, not uncles (laughs) aunts and you know mothers grandparents perhaps who can just offer you that real life practical advice so and I'm sure you get similar questions too I get my inbox is inundated with mothers new mothers particularly all over the world are struggling with their latch and I can offer guidance and I can direct them to there's a really great app called latch aid which has lovely videos it's completely free um and and talks you through getting a really good deep comfortable latch but the fact that these mothers are reaching out to you know a a stranger on social media for advice to feed their baby
1: Mm. (laughs) I
0: mean gosh why is there no better support than that why why aren't there systems in place and yeah women are just left to it new mothers and parents are just left to get on with it and yes breastfeeding is natural of course it is however it's not easy by any means and I don't think I've met a mother yet whose baby just latched on miraculously and there weren't any issues there was no pain their flow was great and you know (laughs) they didn't have any concerns at all every mother today that I've spoken to had some questions or concerns or some pain or some issues with their baby gaining weight and actually if there was more hands-on in-person support just with that initial latch you know even if that's what we focused on it would make such a huge difference and also if we if there were more breastfeeding parents and mothers there would be more that was understood about breastfeeding and we wouldn't have the same expectations of breastfed babies that we do often of formula fed babies and I was fed formula and so were my little sisters um it was just something that my mom did because she thought she genuinely thought it was just the best thing for our family and it is so sad that she now 30 gosh six years later really regrets not having more support and not being encouraged to breastfeed back then. And the fact that, yeah, a a woman in her sixties still has such, you know, powerful emotive response to feeling like she let her children down Mm -hmm. when actually society that let her down. And, you know, if she, with my sister, certainly she wanted to try breastfeeding, but because they were twins, um, every doctor and medical professional she spoke to said oh no don't bother to do that it'll be too hard and yeah I just I think it's really sad that she in particular was robbed of that experience because there wasn't more support I would hope that there you know that advice wouldn't be given today but we are still very far from where we should be and I know that the last infant feeding survey wasn't recent and it was in 2010 but at that point, only 1% of babies in the UK were exclusively breastfed to six months old. And when that's the recognized, you know, recommended um, standard, we should be, we need to be doing more to help mothers get to that point. Surely
1: 1% could grief. It's <laughs> horrendous. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Really sad.
0: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Sure, I wasn't actually aware of that until I was looking up some um, statistics for World Breastfeeding Week, and that's when I came across that, and I was like, Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's as well. really sad. interesting what you said about your um, own mother, Danielle, because mm. my mum actually says exactly the same mm. um, in that she started trying to breastfeed both myself and my brother, um, but stopped quite quickly because, uh. and this is one of the things I hear all the time that saddens me beyond anything else is I didn't have enough milk. Oh, I didn't have enough and I hear this all the time and the reality is what you didn't have enough of was support not milk yes. the the actual the women that actually do not physically produce enough milk is so so rare and mm. usually there are underlying mm. uh, the medical conditions that they may have had or they've had significant mm-hmm breast surgery that's removed some of the breast tissue and these are things that generally actually we can identify in pregnancy mm. um but we hear that all the time i think that's probably the most mm. common reason i hear yeah. for stopping breastfeeding so to anyone listening who is kind of trying to breastfeed and struggling and thinking oh i just don't have enough milk i'm gonna need to supplement please please speak mm. to a breast, a lactation consultant, if that's accessible, or your health is to your midwife because the chances are it's not that you haven't got enough milk, mm. it may be you need some more support, or it may actually be that your baby's behavior is completely normal, newborn yes. behavior. But if you don't know that's normal, then yeah. you assume they're hungry. <laughs> and, and I'm talking about cluster feeding here, and you and I know very well that cluster feeding is like 360 degree all the time around the clock feeding 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 and when you know that's normal that's fine but if you don't know that's normal you assume your baby's hungry and no one wants (laughs) to be hungry and I remember and I spoke about this quite a bit that I remember saying to my husband on night sort of three or four if I wasn't a midwife I'd have stopped breastfeeding tonight because I absolutely would have fallen into that camp of I haven't got enough milk Yes. Um, And I think that's a a kind of, it's almost become a social norm, isn't it? Oh, I tried to breastfeed, but I couldn't because I didn't have enough milk.
0: Mm, It really has. And I think if you go to any baby group, gosh, I've been to countless ones, and start talking about breastfeeding, you very quickly come across someone who says exactly that. I remember very clearly in, gosh, the, the first few months of my son's life, meeting another lady whose little girl was the same age as my boy and and you know she talked about how she tried desperately to breastfeed but she just couldn't and I said oh gosh you know what what was it and I was just trying to understand I, my understanding of breastfeeding was yeah way more limited than it is now but I just you know I wanted to hear her story and she said oh she was just on me all the time and I said oh all right yes and and she said no 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 she was just on me all the time. And I said, well, yeah, yes, I, I, so is my son. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I was trying, I just went, and so what was the issue? And the fact that she then thought that meant she didn't have enough milk and I had no concept of cluster feeding meant that she'd stopped breastfeeding prematurely. And even then, just a few months after her daughter's birth, you know, was already feeling guilty about it. And I just thought, my goodness. If only you'd had, I don't know, a, a mom, a sister, a friend, a health professional there to tell you this is completely normal. You know, these are the things to look out for. You know, if you, your baby's not producing enough wet nappies and they're not gaining weight at a steady rate, then be worried. Don't be concerned if they're cluster feeding for hours at a time. They're just trying to boost your supply. Completely normal. I just thought, wow. How sad. And and I wonder how many mums experience that even now, particularly in the UK. Yeah, I think think it's probably loads actually and we need to do something about that. It's it's not fair. And when we're we're failing mums and we're failing children, if we don't allow them to make that decision, like you said, if you don't want to breastfeed, brilliant, don't. Have that choice, make that informed decision. But if you do want to breastfeed, why are we not supporting mothers and parents to do that when we are fully aware of the, you know, there are profound societal and health benefits and I was gobsmacked when I heard some of the benefits for mothers as well. So, I mean, the the, the benefits for infants are generally, you know, pretty widely known, known and I know some of them aren't conclusive, um, but certainly the reduction in childhood obesity, obesity, um, and the reduction in um, ear infections and and occurrences of diarrhea in infants as well you know lots of the benefits for infants are widely known but i had no idea until i think it was around this time last year actually that for every year that a mother breastfeeds her risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer heart disease stroke and hypertension reduced i had no idea about these things i thought my goodness so actually they are a really profound significant health benefits for mothers and children so if we are not facilitating that lactation journey for parents we are robbing parents of those benefits gosh we you know and even if even if you don't care about individuals health and well-being which you know fair enough if you don't you don't then from a purely financial perspective it's estimated that even a um i think the wording is something like a a marginal increase in breastfeeding would save the nhs 40 million pounds a year so even if all you care about is the economics it's worth you know investing just a little bit more in in lactation education it would make Mm. a real difference and yeah on an individual level it would you know it would really it could shape a parent's nursing journey
1: and i think that education is such a key point danielle and i think mm. that education needs to happen before we start breastfeeding so yes. ideally in that yes. sort of later stages of pregnancy because once yes. you're there your hormones are all over the shop and it is yes. difficult we need that knowledge to already mm. be in place and that <laughs> realistic understanding and expectations um, because i think often women think if the baby hasn't just crawled up to the breast and latched on and it's pain-free <laughs> and they're happy and content then you know it's not worked and actually yes. the reality is for mm-hmm. i think probably 99.9 of women there are yes. some challenges and some hurdles to overcome mm-hmm. and and we need to just normalize that and make sure that supports in place and i think that's mm-hmm. where as society we really mm-hmm. are letting families down mm-hmm. now when it comes to embracing breastfeeding out of your home so going to cafes to restaurants to in my case the side of a rugby pitch most Saturday afternoon uh-huh. um <laughs> what is your advice to women Danielle about doing that with confidence and mm. and and to feel comfortable doing so as well
0: yeah well yeah thankfully I think there are lots of things that you can do and firstly knowing that you are protected by law I think is incredibly yeah. empowering um secondly thinking about what you're wearing so some mothers are very happy. I, I, when my son was younger, I was very happy to just whip a boob out wherever, whenever, because I was just so desperate to calm him down and have that sense of calm myself. And I felt very frantic when he was, you know, trying to get at the breast and I couldn't get through layers of clothes and whatever. So I would just very happily flop one out um, whenever, wherever. But actually, as my son's gotten a little bit older, um and in different situations I'm not so comfortable with having my whole breast out um in front of you know maybe a room of strangers or family and friends and so finding breastfeeding clothing and thankfully nowadays there are so many options it's really really wonderful there are you know options with zips and flaps and buttons and all sorts and you know hidden you know tucked away <laughs> little secret access points where you can discreetly nurse your little one anywhere anytime without anyone seeing any part
1: of you which is great so and whilst feeling really confident in your past body which yes is exactly
0: lovely. exactly and you know feeling like yourself as well and yeah. um yeah that's really important so if you can then I highly recommend investing in a few breastfeeding pieces that you genuinely like because there's no reason why you can't wear them afterwards or you know perhaps for future pregnancies if you plan on having more children um and you know if you're on a tight budget there are lots of um secondhand and you know barely used um groups and options available on social media and things like that and apps like vinted and so on where you can get bargains because for yeah certainly in the uk many women don't breastfeed for very long and so Lots of really good quality nursing clothes available at a steal. So, um, invest in clothes that you feel comfortable wearing. You know, if you really can't, then the one up one down method is fabulous. And so, wearing a vest top or perhaps a cropped top under your outfit, and then lifting your top to nurse your baby is a great way to to feed discreetly if that's what you want to do. So, yes, thinking about the clothes that you're wearing and if possible, if at all possible, surrounding yourself and having conversations with other breastfeeding mums, because when we know that we're not alone in our experiences, we can feel much more confident about our choices. And it is difficult to, certainly if, you know, if you don't have much experience of, of speaking to other breastfeeding parents and mothers, it can be incredibly isolating. And if everyone else at the baby group has made the switch to a bottle, you know it can be difficult to feel confident then nursing nursing in that space but you know in that case even if the only other breastfeeding mothers that you have conversation with are online have those conversations because yeah it's incredibly empowering to to know that you're not alone and you know you're not going through any challenges by yourself and then my last tip is to just focus on your little one because they are the only ones that we breastfeed for And so quite frankly, everyone else's opinion is irrelevant. Um, So get comfortable wherever you are, take a few deep breaths if you're feeling nervous. And if you're ready to maybe cry some happy tears, count your little one's fingers and toes with each inhalation and exhalation. And just focus on them, nothing to do with anyone else. And quite frankly, your breast milk will do way more for your child than anyone's opinion. Ever will hold on oh, I to really that. Love that, focus on your little one.
1: Mm. That's a lovely, powerful message. I absolutely love that, Danielle. Um, Adore your advice there, love, 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 love it. And mm. um, one of the things I just wanted to talk about because I think for me, pre probably pre motherhood, sort of unpregnant pip, when I thought of nursing clothing, I definitely did envisage like really frumpy clothes <laughs> that I probably wouldn't have wanted to wear. Yes. And when I found myself pregnant and planning for breastfeeding. I was like, wow, this is a whole nother world. Even even clothes that perhaps aren't designed specifically for nursing. The amount of conferences and things or talks that I've gone to where I've had Finley with me. So I've had like button down shirt dresses or wrap dresses that I will wear for years and years and years that are perfect for breastfeeding. So actually there are great ways. Um, And like you say, because you're not just buying them for breastfeeding, you can wear them forever and pregnancy and... It's a sustainable investment um, and doesn't need to be like this, just six month or 12 month capsule wardrobe. Actually yes. <laughs> wear them for a long time, which I absolutely love. Uh, and it's quite, your, your body changes I think as well when you've had a baby. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to refine what works for you and what you feel comfortable in, which is really lovely. Yes, that's a really good point. The other thing I wanted to mention based on your awesome tips was When you are the only one, perhaps, in a group of mums or friends breastfeeding, I always found it, and maybe this is also my midwife head coming into it, but I used to think, I know that we need to show breastfeeding more, to normalise it more, Mm. to help support other women. So if I'm not just, if it doesn't feel strong enough to do this for me and my baby, actually, I'm also doing it for all those other women that oh, need goodness. this to be normalized. So if your head kind of works in that way, sometimes it's nice to think, do you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to breastfeed in front of all these strangers. And I'm not just doing it for me and my baby, but I'm doing it for those thousands of other women that also need this to be normalized and need the support and to be able to feel confident. I love that. Oh. <laughs> because it might be you know that one mum that's frantically pumping in the morning to be yeah. able to get out of the house rather than breastfeeding actually sees you sat in that cafe and thinks actually no I I'm, I'm going to do that I can do that too mm, and absolutely. I think we owe it to each other as a community of breastfeeding mums as well to to mm. be there for each other and cheerlead each other as well
0: yes that's the thing isn't it that what the saying is that you know the more breastfeeding is seen the less it will be noticed and yeah we'll simply hopefully one day just blend into the fabric of life because that's what it is. You know, it's not an extraordinary event. It's just part of, of parenthood.
1: Yeah, definitely. And have one last question, I promise, before I let you and um, get no, that's fine. I could talk about breastfeeding forever. So I know. we'll yeah. be here all day. We'll be here all day. get all the get babies, all wake up. We'll bring them all in. It'll be fine. Yeah. um <laughs> I just wonder because I haven't whether you have ever personally been faced with any negativity in public when you've been breastfeeding.
0: Mm. Um, the only negativity I faced is is like sort of looks. Um. Uh, muttered comments nothing directly to me and perhaps someone who was in the distance or or something like that and um yeah <laughs> it's a good job really because quite frankly i would unleash yeah <laughs> everything that i know about my breastfeeding rights on them um but no i've fortunately and even as my son is now he's three now um and i nurse him in public all the time mm. um i've not experienced any direct criticism or anything like that but I have had a few looks and seen people sort of muttering and looking over at me in the distance which you know certainly if I was a new mum I I might be put off by that but yeah I mean I'm breastfeeding crazy so it's not going to put me off and at, at this point if anything it just motivates me more to do everything that I possibly can to make this normal and yeah just accepted. It's not yeah. remarkable. It's just, it's part of who we are and it's fine. It's more than I, fine. I it's just, amazing, actually.
1: <laughs> it is incredible. Like Amazing that like our bodies have allowed these babies to grow. Yeah. And just mar- actually completely blows my mind how incredible we are. <laughs> I just wonder, with those negative sort of side glances or mutterings, have you noticed that more since your little boy's been bigger and older? The yes, when he was
0: definitely. A mm-hmm.
1: Definitely, so yes, that's a good point. This is, I feel like we are... Becoming better a society at normalizing seeing a tiny baby feed. But yes. I think the social stigma of an older child mm. or bigger baby, I think that is probably as strong as ever. I Absolutely. You've got to move Absolutely.
0: It. Um the comments started as soon as my boy was probably around maybe about nine months old, I'm mm. gonna say. Um lots of people asking friends, families, perfect strangers, oh, when are you going to start breastfeeding? And yeah, when when I would be honest and say actually I'd really love to to get to the the world health organization recommendation of two years you know I, I'd love to be able to do that people were aghast and <laughs> horrified and shocked and um one one friend called me a really rare woman <laughs> for wanting to do
1: that I thought what a bizarre thing to say yeah. I, sure a that rare, I feel like rare is good yeah
0: yeah, it's definitely still really stigmatized um another a a family member actually made a comment and and they thought it was hilarious about and compared me to what's her name um i can't remember the name of the character from game of thrones who nurses her eight-year-old son yeah Uh, okay grim Um, but he's like this really weedy Um, feeble child who's who's eight years old and um, due to take over the kingdom but he's still at his mother's breast I mean it's a really it's a ridiculous depiction of nursing Um, but yeah this relative made a comment about that and I just thought really where do we is that really how you see my then two-year-old yeah and but yeah again it just spurs me on to to share the facts and and do everything that I possibly can to normalize nursing beyond infancy because yeah I mean if we zoom out of the UK there's depending on the study that you look at between 45 and 50 55 percent of two-year-olds receive breast milk so actually more than half <laughs> nothing unusual about that it's not weird it's it's the norm in the majority mm-hmm. of the world so actually it's us it's a little bit unusual and yeah hopefully hopefully with a bit of time and education that will change we'll see
1: (laughs) yeah I love I feel like we all need a little Danielle on our on our shoulder when we're like (laughs) breastfeeding or or having these worries and the reason I asked you that actually Danielle was because I feel like I'm in that or just in that time now just sort of tiptoeing into it so Finley my little boy's 11 months um, but he's really big. So he does look a lot older than 11 months. He's absolutely massive, um, not quite sure what happened. I think I make clotted cream as opposed to milk cause he just got, but because of that, I think I'm starting to notice, like you said, those little glances. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone wants to say anything they would be incredibly brave, but, um, I kind of noticed and I've had those comments as well from friends and family When when you going to stop. And I'm like, I actually have no idea because mm. I don't enjoy expressing and pumping. I find it a faff, I find mm. it, I just don't enjoy it. It doesn't, I, I have to do it when I'm returning to work but I don't enjoy it. So I don't want that to be my primary way to feed because yeah. I just find it stressful and it takes up twice the amount of time and it doesn't take a bottle. So I don't know is my honest answer to when everyone asks mm. me and they're like, oh, but you know, he can move on to cow's milk when he's one. And I'm like, yeah, he can. But I don't know if I want him to just yet yeah, or not to use that full time and so oh, I feel like indeed. I'm having to answer these questions at the mm-hmm. moment which is why I was interested as to yes. your experience of that later on breastfeeding because I do think the social stigma is strong with older babies for sure it
0: really so. is and, and yes cow's milk is recommended from 12, year, 12 months and beyond but that's not necessarily to replace breast milk completely and I, I don't think there's any cow's milk yet that you know contains Cancer killing cells and antibodies that are tailored to my son's environment and that will continue to adjust. I was mind-blown when I read a study that found that up to the age of 48 months, so four years old, breast milk continues to adapt, and that for older children, it has, I think, I might I might have these statistics mixed up, but I think it's twice as much fat and 50% more protein than it Mm -hmm. does for a child who's in their first year of life that to me is incredible and yeah just shows me that our bodies continue to adapt to our children for as long as you know it's mutually beneficial and I really feel that it's sad that we don't just trust parents to make that decision Mm -hmm. we're all different every baby is different every toddler is different every preschooler is different and they are all going to grow up at some point let's I don't know if people are worried that they won't um but you know every child in the history of the world has weaned at some point yeah so how about we just trust them to do that
1: and the, thing we do I, that? the, the power that I love about breastfeeding certainly just personally at the moment above the nutrition which obviously I love but the thing yeah. I love the most I think is if Finley's unwell so at the moment he's teething oh, yes. the best comfort ever so, I just yeah. think how amazing that within five minutes I've gone from a indeed. child that's uncomfortable and fractious and unhappy to being Backy. calm and content and happy to go on and play again. I just think amazing. Why would I want to take that away or stop that? That's totally working for our family. Indeed.
0: And it's so powerful that you hit the terrible twos yes. or the terrific twos, whichever way you want to look at it.
1: <laughs> Terribly terrific.
0: Yeah, indeed. It's such a powerful tool for, for calming tantrums, for again when they're sick when they're teething it's so reassuring to know that they're getting this ideal food mm-hmm. even when you know they might might not have an appetite and they just want to be cuddled and the fact that breast milk contains pain relief as well I love knowing that yeah so nice and it it really is such a wonderful mothering tool mm-hmm. and if we can only separate the the way women's bodies are so hypersexualized and you know appreciate that actually this is what breasts were we're for
1: are for that, that's okay it's fine yeah oh we're amazing aren't we aren't we just amazing? we are <laughs> we're awesome <laughs> oh Danielle thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your incredible words of wisdom and support for us and to mm-hmm. anyone out there who is nervous or anxious about breastfeeding in public please just imagine you've got danielle holding your hand because i'm sure that will be a huge sense of confidence for you so a big thank you for you and all the incredible work you're doing
0: thank you Pip. i really appreciate it thank you for yeah facilitating this conversation and yeah spreading the good
1: word <laughs> oh it's been fantastic thank you for tuning in today i hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as i did I'd be hugely grateful if you could take a moment to leave a quick review. It honestly means the world to me to hear from you as a listener. And of course, to ensure you don't miss upcoming episodes, hit subscribe too. Remember, I'm here to support you through pregnancy, birth and beyond through my range of pregnancy, birth prep and postpartum courses at midwifepip.com. I hope to get to know you better and to help you on your empowering journey soon.